Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. We are smack dab in the middle of awards season week, but we don't really care about that. We already covered it. Let's talk about the hot stove news that's coming up. You have any thoughts about, you got three guys here that you're talking about moving around. Um, Giancarlo Stanton. To the Red Sox. You Darvis and Otani. All right, fine. So that's why you're wearing the Red Sox hat today. Okay, oh, got yeah. it. So of these three, who's your top priority for if you're the Red Sox? Oh my God, I want Otani. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, real quick. Bet box Stanton over under 48 and a half home runs next year. I'm under. Under 48 and a half. Well, here's here's one right back at you. Over under 110 games played. That is the I mean, that's the real question in this, right? <laughs> that's it's the home run question has the games played folded in. I 110 is a good number too. Uh Oof, I'm gonna go with wow. over, but not by much. If you'd said 120, I'm I would have thought about it more. Do you think Otani is gonna be that's absolutely a hitter or a pitcher? Do you th- which side do you think he's gonna be um, utilized for? <laughs> I think he I think mm-hmm. he comes in as a hitter. But what if he? Uh, what if Joe Madden like picks him up and they? Uh, or Theo Epstein picks him up and they go and they uh, they play that would him in be a weird awesome, way, wouldn't it? Like they use him as a reliever, right? They do their from the field. They do a double switch without the actual switch. <laughs> if you could find a if you could find pitchers who were passable at first base, could you imagine just going <laughs> like? Well, they were doing that. Remember, there was a game where Joe Madden was doing that, where yeah. he was hiding. Was it like Lester and? In um, right field or something. That's right. Because <laughs> they've, I mean, they've they've had David Ross out to pitch too. Yeah. Like uh, you know, it's not. Oh geez, wow. <laughs> yeah, that would be. I guess that adds a little wrinkle to it. I keep on hearing the Mariners wanting to uh, give him, give a grandfather off, grandfather, <laughs> Godfather offer for him. But yeah, Cubs could be interesting. Well, that I mean. But could you imagine what that would? Could you imagine what that would do yeah. for their fan base? I mean, that's like, that's a monster thing for yeah. No, that would be do. that would yeah. be perfect. Well, good stuff to keep an eye on. Other stuff to keep an eye on, and I got to be honest, mm. I'm worried about this one. Mm. Amazon mm. buying the rights to a television series, Lord of the Rings. Well, I don't know that they're buying. They're buying the rights for it, and they're saying that they're going to make it into a television series, right? Good clarification. Yes, that's in, that's madness. Madness. <laughs> well, but okay. Well, I want to unpack that. I have my thoughts about why it's madness. I mean, I don't think that the television style format has to be madness. Game of Thrones has created a great paradigm oh, yeah. in which you can have cinematic expanse and scope in just a slightly shorter yeah. format than a feature film right like 
70 80 minutes and you can have a, a movie basically are you pushing back on the source material yeah well i'm i'm concerned because number one we just had I guess we're talking like 15 years ago, but still, we just had we just had the Hobbit movies. We just had this done yeah. well, really well. This isn't like this isn't freaking Spider Man. We can't just like keep on churning through different <laughs> versions of it. And then they're saying that it's not even gonna be the books. And from everything that they're saying, it's gonna be like a prequel to it. Like I, I've told you several times that i would love to see like the stories of the children of huron and and whore which go back to the first age that'd be awesome but that's not what they're talking about they're like what is it going to be like early gandalf who's still old as sin yeah yeah (laughs) um but it it can't be unless they're bringing right exactly right like like you, you can't do that. You have to come up with totally new. Um, I mean, it's like this totally Justice League movie. This is not I still. I just cannot get around yeah. the fact that Ben Affleck is Batman. It's like, wh- what the heck? Why couldn't we have gotten uh, the Christian there to do a couple more movies to like? He's <laughs> legit. I mean, I feel I feel the same. I feel the same way. And Batman actually has a precedent of changing yeah changing characters you know but lord of the rings has no precedent of changing characters well i mean there was a cartoon <laughs> yeah but it's <laughs> sure there was a cartoon but there was no like so yeah. their voices were different i guess but you know i mean they had they had the seamless transitions between between the hobbit and lord of the rings i mean like they they went out of their way to make that happen even though they're yeah and they were even able to get christopher lee in there yeah. Wow. All right. This week on the pod, we are going to continue discussing growth charts. The first thing in the first half, we're going to talk about growth chart theory, a little bit about general interpretation and making sure that we are writing a proper introduction and giving people a good um, understanding of what growth charts can do. And then in the second half, we're going to try and interpret some results that we've been looking at having to do with age and growth charts. So take it away, Eric. So growth charts, growth charts are real things. People, um, (laughs) doctors uh, use them to monitor how children grow in their height, their weight, head circumference. There are a few other different things that I hadn't even heard of before, or at least um, I have not seen before. But it seems like, I guess, number one, you want to talk about that in the research, there's a lot of talk about how they're easily, um, easily confused. Like the uh, target audience is often confused by them. Correct. That's right. And it, I mean, it should be a really simple, intuitive format. But I think it's. I have a hunch that it's only a simple, intuitive format if you stare at them all the time and have already built an understanding of what mm-hmm. normal is. Right. You want to? Yeah, we can just get right into that. I guess that's the biggest thing is you have to understand what the denominator is of the data set that you're looking at and what 
what does it mean if you're in the 57th percentile? What does it mean if you're in the 90? What does it mean if you're in the 98th percentile? Yeah, in this article that I shared with you, though, it makes an interesting point about tying that all together, which is what if you're in the 50th percentile in one and the 90th mm. percentile in another? Right. So I guess the other point that I wanted to to mention and talk about is the fact that um, we talk about growth charts for for babies is where this is coming from. And there are actually two distinct <laughs> paradigms um, that these growth charts are coming from. One is CDC data, which is essentially American. And mm -hmm. then one is World Health Organization, who, and that's world data. And that's, <laughs> that is a, a little bit fungible, it seems like. They've, <laughs> they've taken... Um, they've taken data from around the world, but only in healthy communities, and they have um, basically thrown out any data that they don't like. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. And so, in some ways, it makes it it makes me feel like the growth charts that we're building are actually on a more stable theoretical footing than children growth charts. Mm, well, maybe <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> That's because we're going to spend paragraphs explaining not... <laughs> what we've done to create these, right? Oh, I mean, after all the work that we've put in that we're going to talk about, yes, yeah, I would say yeah. so. Yeah. So, um, so right. We were, as we were just talking about, there's this concern. Parents have a hard time interpreting. Some parents have a hard time con uh, interpreting these, um, and then we have the choice of whether we want to. Um, how we want to define what normal is. Do you have any any preferences? It seems like for for right now, just I mean a little look behind the curtain. Right now, we've probably put in the least um, least thought into the the percentiles, cleaning them, making them look pretty. Uh, what do you mean by cleaning make, or making them look pretty? You mean just the aesthetic appearance or smoothing them um, and kind of smoothing and kind of cleaning them is is yeah. what i'm talking about because we are talking about using as much data as possible that's right for the most part and keeping the, and we're still in the um you like the stair step look of your um your models correct um i is don't is there a term I, for that i don't love it but i i believe it would be piecewise functions but oh uh, right I, yeah <laughs> i don't love it but there there frankly doesn't seem to be a whole lot that we could do about that well, we can, I mean, that's what a couple of these different papers are talking about is that like that's a number one, like this LMS um, parameters box Cox transformation is a way to kind of clean this up, put this into a spline. That's what I was doing in mind when I was developing them was I was actually putting them into a spline. So it would be, it would look a little bit smoother. I mean, this is, a, this is an interesting question though, right? Because we're talking about things that are discrete and quantized yeah so um i don't know um i think i think i think we should try it both ways to make make predictive models but things like stolen bases which we'll talk about where the, oh the reality is that the median or the 50th percentile is five over the course of an entire season <laughs> you know i mean like what do you what do you do with that like what's what i you know it's hard to know what the what splining will will show us in that wow that um, is a median it's like i mean it's like it's like great. only measuring saying that you can only measure a baby to the nearest inch 
Like we're never going to do anything other than inches. I guess I don't, I don't want to spend like too much time on this because I know a lot of people have already probably checked out. But one last piece was that (laughs) one of the, my favorite articles that I, I came across was titled quantile regression via vector generalized additive models. That has to be a reference within this paper. I don't even care what what's in it, except for everything that's in all the other papers. So what is the what is the average number of letters in that title? It's above seven <laughs> per word. Oh yeah. No, that's pretty good. <laughs> do you think do you think we can beat that? Is there any way we can we can make a title with on average longer words? Oh, you saw my the the text that I sent you where I was like, I realized that we really screwed up the name of this paper. Yes. All we had to do was add two words before it, which was two wit. Yep. <laughs> As in wit Merrifield. Your favorite. Your favorite. Yeah, we, we better write him a good thank you note at the end of all this. We owe him some <laughs> We'll we'll send him a tweet diatribe or something He's like really that. He's really been inspiring us. Yeah. All right. Fair yeah. enough. Any last thoughts on this? Um no, except for I think that as as we go, we'll continue to go kind of this way, which is a data centric way, and we'll see if we want to do some of the um, cleaner meth, the cleaning up methods that the the who kind of um, does, which might end up making. I think it doesn't. You're right. I stolen bases won't mean anything, um, but for like hits, might end hits up hits for sure. Hits, runs, RBIs, I worry about home runs and stolen bases. Because they talk about they're removing everything past three standard deviations. Yeah. Um, Which we can't do on stolen bases, right? uh, (laughs) We can. It's just not clear what it'll tell you anymore. Right, exactly. So, I don't know. Room Room to think about that. We'll see. Oh, well, so yeah, so just in general, introduction is coming along. Mostly, I guess it's, I realized that it was already written. We are an audio podcast, but we do a video when we're recording it, and sometimes it leads to some technical difficulties as we're getting set up. Here's an outtake. This, this is weird, man. Can you either move me to the other camera or, like, not, okay, not so intently stare at it? <laughs> Isn't it weird though? Yes. Now you know what it's like. Yes, I do. It's like, yeah, it's like me zooming in, my manual zoom on my computer. Alright, that's fine. Whoa. Whoa. Yep, we feel a little bit better. So we are on iteration three of my master growth chart scraper. The one that goes through everyone who had net bat this year because I keep forgetting little random things. But always something. The project has yielded interesting results already. This week I had to go back because I hadn't scraped guys' ages or the teams that they were playing against previously. What that meant is that I was in a place finally to divide players up by ages and look at one of the things that we've talked about on the podcast pretty frequently talking about individual players age curves and we did some work on this earlier this year as a matter of fact what i've made for you now growth charts some of our favorites here in stolen bases rbis runs and hits broken up as a function of age and i restricted us to just sort of the traditional um, peak of a baseball player's abilities. So we're going from age 25 to age 32, uh, which is also where you get the best um, sampling 
the reason that it's hard to make curves younger or older than that because you just don't have very many players. Yeah, Carlos Beltran is such an outlier. <laughs> Hat tip to Carlos Beltran. Congratulations on that career. But they, uh, but these charts that I that I shared with you, I gotta say my top level finding on this is that there's not a strong dependence with age. No, it doesn't seem it doesn't seem that anything really jumps out at me. I mean, it looks like the age twenty nine season is like the strongest. I would say the age twenty nine season is marginally better. Okay, that's yeah, that might be a a way to state that. I don't think it's going to stand up to to statistical rigor. For instance, yeah. if we looked at the distributions, I don't think we'd actually see we'd actually see a difference in the medians. Um, and this is something that I that I want to visualize in a different with a different plotting format instead of breaking it up by the traditional ones. Have just the fiftieth percentile median as a function of age and see what that looks like. Are we going to run this through a t-test? Oh, absolutely. Is there anything else we can do? I was thinking t-tests. We can, once we decide what our functional form is, we can do some KS tests. I mean, we got a bunch of stuff to do here. Hmm. There's a bunch of statistical rigor that can go into this, but the question, I mean, just looking at this by eye, not seeing a lot of differences, I immediately jumped to, well, what can we start to try and interpret from this? Because that also might shape what questions we ask and how deep we go down this particular rabbit hole. And my, so if they're the same, if we start under that similarity, does that mean that, um, that individual players don't change much over their career? And I think it's probably not that because we know individual players have a characteristic curve, but is this saying that by basically a central limit theorem or some sort of averaging theorem that, um, there, there is no large scale trend with age. Wow. That's, that is pretty heavy. Um, I remember reading a Bill James excerpt on his whole, like 20, the 27th year. And then I remember reading a, um, updated counter argument that the, that the new age was actually like somewhere closer to 2930 mm-hmm. and that they were saying that there's more of a stretch out of of that peak so i mean i think that in terms of this paper well i think that we want to do is make sure that we can't disprove the null hypothesis that you know we want to we want to make sure that there's n- nothing that we're seeing that says that we have to look at this by by age which i think right. is what we are geared towards doing and if and holy moly if we ended up finding something that said wait 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 you actually there is a growth curve that we have to consider in our growth charts then that's a whole lot of work that we're going to have to say we were unprepared to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I mean, looking at this, like let's say we just restrict ourselves to to hits. Um it, I mean, it's it's really flat. It's really flat across those. I mean, to the point where I really feel like you can completely marginalize over age. 
Yeah, no, I, I, I'd agree. I mean, you even, you start seeing, I, I like that at age 32, you start seeing some bunching mm-hmm. going on as the bottom starts to, you know, there are fewer guys who are, who are even age 32. So you start seeing the bottom kind of fall out. So you see yeah. those, those guys lifting up. Whereas 29, if we were to compare this to the, um, the histogram of players by age i mean geez what hmm. everyone's going to be that, that's going to be the center of the of the histogram yeah and i should put that together but they um i think there's definitely a, there's a selection effect that we're not prepared to deal with here which is that no. by age 32 guys have stopped getting chances basically there's no more potential left so you're either you're either cutting it in the mlb or you're not Right, or they're being used in very different ways. I mean, right now we have um, players staying down in the minors longer for arbitration, yeah, and you're yeah. st- starting to see more junk getting thrown up in the first two months. You know, sorry to whatever players I that I that I can't think of right now who are playing for the first two months, and like if they make it, they make it. If they don't, they don't. You know, I, I think that we're seeing a transition in the way that the AAA teams are being used in some ways. When I was in Salt Lake watching the Salt Lake City Bees, that was what their team was. They had <laughs> no high-profile prospects, but they had a whole bunch of guys that were able at a moment's notice to go in and play for the Angels and be 75% of whoever the starter was if the starter was not named Mike Trout. Yeah, no, that's I think yeah, that's a that's a great point. Um, and that that might be something interesting to look at to look at usage in that regard. Um, usage is something that I've been struggling with in general. I mean, talking about what um, how to pick guys to include in this and mm-hmm. um, right, we're gonna struggle with that until after the paper is written, right? Oh, hundred percent. I mean, it, we're basically gonna have we basically just have to make choices and defend them and add the caveats. I don't think there's anything else we can do. Well, can we put this, put a history together of usage of players by, um, at bats? And yeah, just well, I was thinking, go ahead. Six Sigma, you know, <laughs> stick within that and then fuck everyone else. Yeah, the metric would be, I think the metric is something like how many at bats they accumulated over the available number of at bats. Ooh, oh, that's you're right. That's a good point. So we make a model saying, "Oh boy, okay, everybody should come to the plate four point one times a game," <laughs> you know. And so over all of the games that the team that you were on played, what fraction of the what fraction of the plate appearances did you accumulate? Is that using the Boolean mask, or is that avoiding that? That I think is a good question um, that using the DL mask. I think, I think we have to go both ways on that. Um, we have to, we have to try it in, in both fashions and see what's up. Yeah. Cause we don't want to penalize a guy like Raphael Devers, throw him out because he only played the last month of the season and was only yeah. ever up the last month of the season. Right. I mean, he we want to know. Represent a certain type we want to know if during that month that he was up, if he was accumulating stats at the rate that you expected him to. Right. We do want to penalize Brock Holt <laughs> for being for, Brock Holt, but yes, for riding the pine for most of the season and never really being on the DL, never really, <laughs> never really being sent down, etc. 
how many of those DL trips were uh, real DL trips this year? Do you think? Well, he he was suffering from vertigo. I don't know what that means, except last night when I was <laughs> in the throes of some sort of stomach bug. There were a couple of moments where I was lying down in bed and thinking, I think this is what vertigo is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> anyway, um, this is this is again still a work in progress, but I think that the takeaway from today would be that barring a couple more T's being crossed and a couple more I's being dotted, we're going to marginalize over H and not T's being run. T's being run. <laughs> we're not going <laughs> to we're going to marginalize over H and not worry, um, not worry about breaking it out by that. Uh, my my bet would be that we'd find if we did like some sort of like three-year periods, I, I bet you we'd be able to find that normal distribution if we just got the, you know, ages into the right the right bunches. Yeah, I mean, I could try, you know, three-year rolling distributions. And yeah, see what happens. See if we can amplify, see if we can amplify some trends that way. Yeah, mm. we'll give it a shot. It's worth doing. <laughs> just adding on to that work. Dude, that part is not that bad. <laughs> All right, well, you want to wrap this sucker up? Yeah, let's turn briefly to the NFL, have a little check Not talking in. about the Giants. What was that? Not talking about the Giants. No, no, no. We're not talking about the Giants. I, <laughs> We're not talking about the Vikings either, but for a different reason, because I'm not ready to jinx them yet. <clears throat> but, you know, it's funny because we've had this whole fan, we had the whole fantasy baseball season, and now we've basically podcast our way through almost an entire regular fantasy football season i know really <laughs> it goes fast doesn't it are you still alive yeah no i'm doing okay well i'm i'm hurting because cj anderson is fool's gold and yes. Jarek mckinnon is unreliable yes and ezekiel elliott is suspended finally maybe maybe for real be. yeah i don't know we'll see for real this time and um and Ty Montgomery can't keep that, can't stay on the field or keep that starting job. So, other than that, I'm feeling okay. <laughs> yeah, as long as, um, for me, as long as Leonard Fournette stops uh, getting sent home, <laughs> and they give him his touches back, and um, Kirk Cousins keeps throwing the ball like he's been doing, um, and for whatever reason the Patriots keep having to kick forty yard field goals. That'll be good for me. Oh, do you have Gustowski? I do. I had, I was watching Gustowski because I was behind by seven points going into that game. He had no one left. I just had Gustowski. I was like, watch this be the day. <laughs> <laughs> he really is like he is the kicker that you that I probably would most worry about facing. Like, oh yeah, no, I mean he's like ten points. In the back, it's so nice when you have when you're in a 12 team league with like the standard kind of <laughs> uh, rosters. When you have like a defense and a kicker that you can just depend on 20 to 25 points from. Yeah, that's all you need. I mean, that's and not like negative two, which I think that I got from the Vikings. I don't trust the Vikings defense at all anymore, but that, that's that's getting a little too close to real NFL talk. Anyway, all right, we'll keep checking in. <laughs> two more weeks. I am on the playoff bubble, so hopeful that I'm going to make it, but uh, not not too confident. 
Uh, back to baseball for a second. Were you surprised that both Rookie of the Year awards were unanimous? That was actually a little bit surprising. Yeah. I think that you cut when um, I was making fun of people in Generation X and mm. baseball writers. Um, but I noted that there are a lot of contrarian folks in that community. And no one just, <laughs> no, you couldn't in good conscience vote for anyone else. I agree. No, I, I totally agree. I mean, it would have it would have been a purely vindictive vote <laughs> to yeah, not I mean, to not do it. So, All I right. think Benintendi versus Bellinger, you might have had a better case to have like one vote. Yeah, but yeah. you you can Benintendi, you can say over mm-hmm. judge. versus Judge, right? Yeah, yeah. We're still waiting on all the other awards, though, right? Yep. Yeah, fingers crossed manager. for Molitor. Manager Tuesday, Cy Young Wednesday, MVP Thursday. Here we go. Wow. What? So, oh, Altuve and Stanton. Not Votto? You're not going to say Votto? I, I, I mean, I wish, but I don't think so. Yeah, there was. It, I follow someone in the Reds who put something out that was like comparing Votto to the other candidates, and it was like all of Votto's stats were better. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah we know Votto is really good at filling up the stat sheet not yeah. good at leading a team to wins well, especially now that we know that he played 162 games yeah. oh yeah that helps <laughs> that goes a really long way to filling up stat sheets yeah and not really does he he's not a gold glover like your buddy Buck like my buddy Buck and Brian Dozier two gold glovers I what did they just feel like there was no one at second base. Honestly, what no the heck idea. is up with no Jose idea Altuve why they not picked, getting it? I have no idea why they picked Dozier for that. <laughs> Does not make sense. The way I feel about Dozier is that he's competent. He's a competent yes. second baseman. Yeah, he is absolutely. He's a competent second baseman, and that's it. But he's not Brandon Phillips. Okay, well, let's not let's not go crazy here. They're <laughs> <laughs> not even Petroya on a good year. On a good yeah, year, well. <laughs> yeah. On a good year, there have been on a some year not where, good years, but yes. On a year where Pedroia actually plays more than 130 games. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right, time for the review session. Fresh ginger. So fresh ginger. So do you have a habit of just chewing on some some ginger root? Just chewing Cleanse on fresh the ginger. palate. No, yeah. man. I, I I really don't. I have warmed up though. I will say to crystallized ginger i was oh, pretty really? i was pretty cold on it for a long time pretty cold on ginger in general for a long time wow that's I, that's hurtful I, in all the years that i've known you i've never seen you cook with fresh ginger do you oh yeah no absolutely what? all the time really like to have fresh ginger yeah no I, I do all those indian recipes and like half of them call for a fresh ginger really yeah no it's in a lot of it's in a lot of indian recipes I mean, I'll perfume. I'll, I'll per- perfume. I'll perfume a soup with fresh ginger. But I'll perfume uh, a soup with I'll fresh ginger. A soup, you know, a good, a good Asian-inspired soup. But I, uh, I don't know that I would. I don't know that I picture ginger being an Indian food ingredient. Oh yeah, there's a lot of dishes where it's like uh, put, put garlic and ginger and a little bit of water together and then like grind them up super fine and then add them to some sort of some sort of sauce as it's cooking and it it just like that mix especially garlic and ginger 
number one, you have it on your hands for two days. Oh, you have yes. that smell. It's very distinctive. But it does, they bring out flavors in each other that you aren't really expecting. It's like the um, uh, the combination of the two of them is a, its own unique thing. But yeah, it, yeah, ginger and I like to um, use a planer to um, to actually grind up the ginger. I say grind up; it's not really grinding it's it up, not, but yes. to actually, yeah, because it's very stringy. It's it's very fibrous. Fibrous, you know? yeah. So you really like to get the you really like to get the liquid out. Oh yeah, yeah. You're getting liquid out. You're really cutting up um, some of those fibers. Works really well if you use a planer huh. in some of these dishes. Yeah, well, I feel like I just learned something. I uh, maybe maybe I'll be more into ginger after this. <laughs> All right, well, time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter. Fantasy Tools, mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, mind the Z. All I've got left is worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah.